thank you for tuning in to the QAD Customer Podcast, where we interview the best-in-class leaders within the QAD ecosystem. My goal as your host is to dissect the characteristics of these leaders to help you tactically enhance your professional life. I'm honored to have you join us for this episode, and I want to remind you this podcast is made possible by PixDocLive, the leading AP automation tool in the QAD space. Without further ado, let's get into it. Today, I will be interviewing Mark Taylor of Taylor Programs. Mark is an award-winning speaker and actually spoke at one of the more recent QAD Midwest user groups out in Cleveland. He is dedicated to giving insights to organizations on how to manage and how to thrive in a multi-generational workplace, given the varying levels of interaction with authority, uh, parental guidance, um, in individuality, and he looks at it as a generational anthropology um, in his work. He's dedicated to giving insights to these organizations, how to manage those multi-generational teams, and he sheds some phenomenal light on how you can relate to other generations in your workspace and how you can succeed as a coherent team. For this first section, though, Mark is going to give us some background on generational influences and also some practical advice on how to relate across generations. I use the generations to give people a new language to look at their interactions with other folks. It's really like intercultural anthropology. Mm. You know, if you go to Japan, we know what that culture is like in terms of things like individualist or collectivist and high and low power distance, high and low uncertainty avoidance. We know what the culture's like. We don't know what every person in that culture is like, but if you have these ideas, at least you have a starting place and a language Hmm. to understand and work with them. So I'm really more about the language than about stereotyping generations, um, even though the the generational traits that I describe are based on data and they're based on modal data, the typical or most frequently occurring traits for these generational cohorts. And it's real clear that the people who grew up in the Depression and World War II are real different than the people of my generation, the baby boom generation who grew up in the 50s, in the 60s and 70s. Real different than those Gen Xers who came up in the 70s and 80s, and real different than y'all who came up in a much more digital postmodern age. Yeah. So I talk about these groups. I, I help people kind of self-diagnose and better understand the people that are around them. Different groups tend to respond differently to different kind of leadership behaviors. Um, for example, you millennials that I call Generation Next because the, the initial press on millennials was so wrong, mm. I changed the name yeah. for my research. Um, one of y'all's biggest complaints about the workplace is that you don't get enough strokes from the boss, mm. which 
is really a, a good form of leadership. Tell people what they're doing right so they do more of it. Mm. You're often supervised by Gen Xers who believe I should not have to talk to them at all unless I'm correcting them. Mm -hmm. And if I don't have something to correct, I don't need to talk to them at all. Mm -hmm. So there's some real mismatches like that. Young people, young workers, really like praise from the boss. They want to hear when they're doing well and that they're doing well. And some even want to be praised for just meeting basic expectations, like, good showing up today, Bob. Glad to see you here today, Bob. Say to a Gen Xer, I really like the way that you saw that project all the way. It'll make them suspicious. Yeah, they'll, where, they'll wonder if you're you sarcastic. Go, where are you going? <laughs> you buttered me up. Where are you going with this? <laughs> yeah, there you go. There you go. So... There, there are some, some generationally specific tools like that that I share with people. Hey, guys, me again. Uh, want to butt in here for a quick second and just say that I'm really excited about this next section that you're going to listen to. Mark goes through a couple key common examples of dealing with the millennial generation and shines a little bit of light on how to deal with this in the workplace. Uh, he has some great, great, great articles that I highly recommend you review. They'll be linked in the show notes. And this will give you some great practical and actionable insights on how to handle working with various generations in the 21st century, millennials, or as he says, Gen Next, um, Gen X the baby boomers, and what have you. I identified these trends like entitlement, consumerism, the overrating of skills, the underrating of effort required to be successful, mm -hmm. um, the, the ex, and the uh, expectation of rewards with little effort, mm -hmm. the uh, trophy, the participation trophy, developmental model mm -hmm. put away the red um, pen I presented to that group you thought it's all whether red pen because we don't want to hurt their feelings exactly. and and kind of in summary it is a developmental model that was so protective it removed all of these developmental opportunities mm. um, the red pen the red pen tells you you need to do something differently mm -hmm. I'm a baby boomer. If I mowed the yard, my dad would not have said, good job. He would have said, you missed a spot. Right. Because right. You, can, you, can always, you can always do better, and as soon as you believe you're okay, you quit trying. Mm. So you give a kid a trophy for showing up at the first day of soccer, where's the motivation to try? Mm. So... I started writing articles about that in 04, presented, presented at a big conference in 04, wrote a paper to support it. Um, in 05, I was asked to do 40 events at schools and conferences while I still had a full-time job. Wow. And it started with understanding this generation. Then it rolled into 
best practices in teaching and learning and best practices in service. Mm. And this, this workshop, this program I'm doing for QAD is not about teaching and learning, but university instruction is the craziest profession ever. It's the only profession where people are trained as research scientists or nurses or engineers or accountants or psychotherapists and somebody says, wow, you're a great scientist. You're a great chemist. Now go be a teacher. Mm. It's a whole different skill set. Yeah. <laughs> you're, an account you're an accountant. No, now go be a teacher. It's a whole different skill set than accounting. We're not really going to tell you how to do it. Just knock yourself out. And so they go in and do what people have always done, the lecture model, which is an instructional model that predates the written word. Hmm. Yeah, this, the um, sage on so the stage model, as you called it. They, they, exactly, exactly. And um, so for me, it, it's what we call in the South a bird nest on the ground. Hmm. Very easy pickings. Hmm. Further down in the conversation, I encouraged Mark to get a little bit more deeper into the diagnostics behind each of these categories of generations. However, there are definitely... Um, exceptions in these different uh, categorizations, but Mark has been able to study these groups of people uh, based off of age dynamics and narrow down on how uh, these people operate in the business world based off of their upbringings. So he goes into some more detail on the Gen X and the Gen uh, Next or the millennial generation and how those two groups of people operate in uh, the business world. A Gen Xer was raised in a very busy family where everybody had to really struggle and do their part to keep up. Hmm. It was both parents working as a new thing. The structures were not really in place to supervise kids between school into school and into work uh, the, the social systems just were not set up for that to working family so the Xers really had to struggle to keep up with busy families um, when a Gen Nexter um, probably felt like the center of their family they were not a critical player in keeping this family machine working, the family machine worked on their behalf. Mm. So e people who are anywhere near that line, I offer them that diagnostic. If you felt like you had to struggle to keep up with a busy family, you're probably more like an Xer. If you felt like the family was there to serve you, then you're going to be more like a next. Hmm. That probably speaks to that article you wrote, helicopters, snow plows, and bulldozers managing those parents that are there just coming go. in and they're going to do it for the child no matter what situation they're in. Right. Hmm. And 
as I said before, deny the child developmental opportunities of their own. Hmm. Um, so parents working out for for kids, what kids are better off to work out on their own. Yeah. Um, and that started, I, I do a lot of work with the K-12 schools, that started with the K-12 schools. K-12 asked parents into the classroom. Hmm. And then they... And so then they came, they monitor them into and through college. And when I was working on a college campus, we had to adopt a policy that was one tuition, one seat, because it was especially prominent in summer school. Parent, parents wanted to come to class with their kids to take notes. Mm-hmm. <laughs> That's a helicopter right there. And how are they supposed to help them with the homework? <laughs> well, really, how am I supposed to do that homework? Yeah, exactly. Uh, uh, and Stephen, the, the stories that I have heard from people as I've been doing these presentations, the faculty person gets a phone call asking about an assignment and get into the phone call and say, are you in my class? Oh, no, Billy's in your class. I'm just doing some background work for him on this because he's doing something else right now. Wow. And, and I, could tell those, I could tell those stories all day long. What's especially interesting to me now and that I will enjoy laying on your group is the businesses that are intentionally involving parents in the hiring process and in the retention process. Wow. It's a real thing. Well, it's it's very simple. When earlier generations went to college, the college recruited them, and the parent might say, here's how much money you have, um, but you got to figure all this out. Hmm. And... Most people in my generation just kind of told their parents where they were going to go to school. Mm-hmm. Then schools with Gen Next, school, schools started recruiting parents and kids. And you see family tours on campuses. And um, for especially for elite students, the, the college would reach out to the parents almost as much as they reached out to the kid because they knew if the parent was on board, that's where the kid was more likely to go. Mm. Now let's roll that up to the business world, okay? If business is looking for high-achieving graduates, let's say in engineering, let's say accounting, let's say, any STEM field, and we've, I I hate to admit this, but I have helped schools do this with STEM teachers. Mm -hmm. Somebody graduates from a teacher education program and can teach high school math, every school in the world wants them. If one school in particular says, um, this was a very good phone interview, why don't you come in tomorrow and feel free to bring your parents if you'd like to do that. And they do, 
And then when it comes time to pick where they're going to go to work, if mom says, well, that charter school sure was sweet, more likely to pick that place. Wow. Plus, you get, you get the parents on board with what the expectations of the workplace are, and they're going to back the workplace up when the kid complains about, oh, my God, they say I have to be there at 8 o'clock every day. So that's that's a real interesting dynamic that blows a lot of people's minds. Hmm. Next up, we're going to talk about expectations versus ambiguity. Mark wrote a great paper on this, which is, again, linked in the show notes. But really diving into the nitty-gritty details about millennials and their the expectations that were put on them how to make those clear and how to reinforce those in a productive manner. And Mark breaks that down, taking it all the way back to their education. Well, and, and yeah, and you asked a real good question about that, the balance between establishing clear expectations and the ambiguity of the world. Mm. And that, and that, that applies, I wrote that about the classroom, okay? Um, and the reason I first, the reason I wrote it about the classroom is because everyone, college professors included, have what we call the error of familiarity, the error of familiarity. We know it so well, we assume other people do too. Mm. So... They don't really orient folks very well because they are not accustomed to not knowing this material, not knowing that this is what the expectations are. This has been so true. As a millennial myself, I have seen this time and time again with uh, friends of mine entering into the workforce. They do not feel as though they're oriented well. And orientation, I believe, has been one of the biggest misses of companies as new hires are coming in to work in their organization. And I would highly encourage, especially in the QAD space, when there's very tenured managers have been in the organization 20, 30 years, take pride in their knowledge, that they would look at their process and the various components of that process with fresh eyes and redevelop orientation for new incoming employees of their business, considering the fresh eyes that these employees have. Uh, there's one HVAC manufacturing company in particular that I've had the pleasure of uh, meeting some of these fellow millennials in uh, the Southeast user group down in Atlanta, and they feel very empowered with the orientation that they were received, and this set, this, set them up for success. Uh, over the past two or three years of getting to know this, this group, I have seen two of the millennials move into management positions themselves because they were empowered, oriented well, and their expectations were set properly. Thank you guys so much for listening to today's podcast. We are going to have part two of this conversation coming out at a later date. Uh, if you wouldn't mind, please, wherever you're listening to podcasts right now, leave us a review. 
Uh, this really helps with propagating our message to the QAD community. And I would really feel encouraged if you were able to leave us a review, comment on how you felt about this episode, maybe how this helped you in your uh, business uh, using QAD. That would be awesome for this community to hear. Thank you guys. Until next time.